the blood of our communion. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 3, Moses was told by God, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you. On the houses where you are, there will be the blood. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That miraculous event was celebrated by Israel every year during their feasts of Passover to acknowledge that life was given to God's people through the blood of the Passover lamb, while death came upon the families of Egypt. There were many such rituals that God commanded Moses to have Israel perform. And the performance of these rituals were to the most detail that you could find was the way God ordered things. And they escaped from Egypt and journeyed through the wilderness towards the promised land. And every year would begin with the ritual, the Feast of Passover, which was followed 50 days later by the Feast of Pentecost. And then in the seventh month of the year by the Feast of Tabernacles. For 1,500 years, the sacrificial blood of animals was spilled on the ground day after day by the priests of Israel for the forgiveness of their sins. God told Moses to say to the people, I have given you the blood to sprinkle upon the altar as an atonement for your souls. It is the blood that makes atonement because the blood is the life. Blood speaks of life, not just forgiveness. And that's what I want to emphasise today. Since the time of Jesus, there's no more spilling of blood every year on the ritual feast of Passover for the sins of Israel. The Bible says that John saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here is the Lamb. The blood of Jesus as our Passover Lamb spilt on the dusty ground of Calvary was the last drop of life blood to be spilt. And that blood is for the sin of all mankind. It was spilt on the ground, on the earth. And that speaks of us. The final spilling of blood. And it brings the life of God to humanity. So it was not just for the forgiveness of sins. That was absolutely necessary so that we could receive the life. His blood is the blood of our communion, the union of his life with our life. And since the time of Jesus, we no longer live by rituals. The Bible says these were just symbolic of the inner reality of Christ and his life working within us. In Colossians 2, verse 17, it says, These are a shadow of the things to come, 
but the reality is of Christ. Now, the only way that the blood of Jesus can be applied to us today is to our hearts to do the inner work of the healing and salvation of our souls so that we can live in partnership with Jesus. That's the blood of communion with him. We're sharing in his life of faith and love wherever we might be. As the scripture says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's Ephesians chapter 2. And just as Israel lived with the day-to-day -day reality of the blood of sacrifice, so we can also live with a day-to-day -day consciousness of having the life of Christ working within us. That's what it means for us to be saved. We're now living in a different realm of life, with a new life. All things are made new. It's not just waiting to get to heaven one day. It is now experiencing the kingdom life within, thanking him for the blood applied to our lives. Now, the blood of Jesus cannot be applied by us upon any external thing. It's solely for the inner redemptive work upon the soul of mankind. Even though some Christians, oddly enough, still practice applying the blood or pleading the blood upon their houses or their cars for protection and safety. Israel only ever once sprinkled the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts of their houses in Egypt. Our faith in Jesus' blood has got nothing to do with houses. And the pleading of the blood doesn't even exist in Scripture. I'm saying this because it's important to know what we believe and what we say and how effective the blood is. I couldn't apply the blood to my car. It's not even saved. Every now and again, I have to give it another baptism. It's a different one now already. <laughs> but I do hear people saying we applied the blood around the house. Blood is not for houses. It is an inner work. That kind of talk about the blood is in the same area of superstition in the way that some other Christians believe in having a St Christopher medal hanging in the front windscreen of the car to protect them while driving. Those things are no better than a rabbit's foot. And I can't find that in the Bible either. The blood is our communion of life with Jesus. Under the old covenant, every spiritual act that the people did was performed as a formal ritual. This is not the way we live Christianity. Jesus told the disciples to baptise people. He also told them to share communion in the eating of the bread and in the drinking of the cup. He also said that the true worshippers would worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus did not make these practices of faith into rituals. But the church has unfortunately turned these faith practices 
into a multitude of formal rituals that have now become the reality to have to adhere to and obey instead of the reality that is of Christ. And contention over these formalities has plagued the church with disunity for centuries. I believe we're living in the times when God is saying, I want you to know what's really going on with the things that Jesus died for and rose again for, for your lives, personally and corporately together and as unto me. You see, baptism is the reality of our identification by faith to the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus and our commitment to living in newness of life through Christ. But how many rituals are there that people argue over? But that's what it is, a faith practice. Worship in spirit and in truth is the physical act of offering our bodies to God as a living sacrifice in humble adoration and prayer and the singing of praise to our Lord and in our loving service to one another. That's in Romans 12. The other one was in Romans 6. And what we're doing today, sharing communion, is our participation together in the mystery of the hidden life of Christ within us, as Jesus said at the Last Supper. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Luke chapter 22. We stop and linger in a moment by moment, powerful remembrance of our oneness with God and with one another and the body of Christ. And the lifeblood of his heart beats with our heart. That's our communion because of the blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. In this life, it's important for us to know what we believe, to know what we should do, and to know what we should hope for. Those three things. We're living in a world where many people do not know what they believe. So they don't know what they should do. And they have nothing to hope for. As I was driving here this morning, I just looked around in the traffic and I, I looked at people and just thought, I wonder if you know what you believe. I wonder if you know what to do. I wonder if you know what to hope for. Now, God sent me a message about uh, Brother Andrew going to be with the Lord. About a week ago, he went to be with the Lord. And shared with me the, the scripture that Brother Andrew, who's the founder of Open Doors, went into China. The scripture that he based his life upon. He knew what he believed and he knew what to do and he had a hope. And, and, and the words that he had were out of the book of Revelation. Uh, Strengthen that which remains. Let no man take your crown. And that's what he did. He lived by that. A book that I've been reading called Meeting Life's Challenges and it was written by a man called Brooks C. Wilson. In the beginning of the book, when I read the preface that he writes, he says, life is not all about us. The key is to forget self and reach out to others. The scripture is in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. And there is the, the list of the virtue of love. Now, that's something that you can believe in 
That's something that shows you what to do, and that's something that gives you a hope. We can all have something that we believe in. And we can know what we can believe. Now, just in general terms, the world had to wait for nearly 2,000 years for the supernatural work of the lifeblood of Jesus to become the fulfilment of life on earth for humanity. No more the Old Testament law or the rituals, the lifeblood. And the Bible says that John saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But it was more than just the sins. It was so that we could have life and not death. Jesus died and rose again to give us his life. Humanity could now be relieved from its mindset of separation from God because sin separates them and could have the faith and confidence to walk close to God and to get to know him as a person. This is new. So when we know what we can believe, we can know what we can do. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. And as we spend more time in his presence, knowing what's been done for us, knowing that we've been drawn near, knowing that we are now close to him, we receive from the Holy Spirit the wisdom and guidance for our daily lives. He tells us what to do in the tough times. When everything goes wrong, all of a sudden he shows you what God is doing in that situation. Because we can do God's will for our lives. That's what we do. And dependent upon each person and what situations they're in. And what is their world? And sometimes what is their world for that week? Circumstances can change. But the will of God will come to us by the Holy Spirit. We can respond to that and know what to do. 1 John 2 verse 27. The anointing abides in us and teaches us all things. You don't have to ring somebody up and get a helpline. I mean, it's good if you can receive counsel and wisdom from somebody, but there are times when you're on your own and you just need the wisdom from God and you, he knows your heart, that you want to do his will and it will come to you and you can live what you believe. Then we can have a hope for the future. So we no longer put faith in our rituals or demand signs and wonders. But we put faith in a powerful life that dwells within us. And we surrender to his will being done. That our prayers that we pray are because he will bring the result about that he wants for our lives. Not demanding him to give us the results only that we want. They're better when his results come to pass than anything we could have asked for anyway. We have our faith in a life and that becomes the main thought and activity of our renewed mind. Without knowing what's going on, the uncertainty of life can take hope away. Bad things might happen. It's uncertainty. 
But when you are absolutely certain that God is at work in the world of the unseen on your behalf to bring about his will for your life, that's a totally different mindset. Because this divine, loving, intelligent life of God never ceases to operate in us. And this is the essence and substance of our faith. And it gives us hope for the future, even though it's still unknown. We would love prophecies for every day of the week, but we sometimes get there and find that God springs a surprise on us. And it's nothing like we would have imagined. We live by that faith in that life. This God life is the powerful life energy that created the universe and orders everything in it. And this indwelling life in us creatively orders and reorders everything in our personal life. Our responses, or are they our reactions? The Holy Spirit is there helping them to become what is in line with the mind and heart of God. So we get reordered creatively because of this logos, this powerful life energy that created the universe. And it reorders our personal life and it reorders things in our immediate world of people and things. God's doing that. He's not sitting back as, as the, the, the clock's been wound up and he's just watching everything tick away. No, he is intervening, involving, drawing us close, getting us to respond, to give thanks in things instead of giving up on things. So if God who designed the movement of the galaxy and who created every molecule and atom, an unseeable particle of matter, and who has his eye on every sparrow, how much more is he vitally and personally interested in us as his beloved family that live ordinary lives and do unspectacular things? He yearns to participate in those ordinary yet special things Things with us in close and intimate communion. Amen.